when you hear that, it means that this is a herd that actually has a really good shot at survival if we do the necessary measures, you know, to protect them, like protect their habitat. This is Defender Radio. I'm Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers brought to you by the Fur Bearers. It's season eight. Now, we've got a lot to catch up on. The pandemic, the outstanding contest, what's going on with the fur bears and more. And we will catch up on all of that with a special episode soon. This week, I want to dive right into our interview because of the timeliness and the need for action on this issue. Southern Mountain Caribou in British Columbia are on the brink of collapse. And despite promises to create endangered species legislation, the last BC government continued to auction off sections of caribou habitat to logging companies. A cut block auction is taking place in the Argonaut Creek drainage, which is home to the endangered North Columbia caribou herd. This news came as a result of an investigation by Wilderness Committee, Echo Conservation Society, and WildSight. To give us a quick overview of this long-standing issue, what the latest is, and how you can take action, Charlotte Daw from Wilderness Committee joined Defender Radio. This episode is sponsored by Animal Stone. You can find beautiful, handmade Canadian jewelry for the animal lover in your life that actually helps with frontline conservation at AnimalStone.com. If wolf lovers are listening to this episode, you'll want to look up Biko the Wolf Charm, from which a portion of every purchase supports wildlife conservation. Visit AnimalStone.com and use promo code DefenderRadio for 10% off your order. That's AnimalStone.com and promo code DefenderRadio. Why don't we start with the 60-second previously on overview of the situation regarding Southern Mountain Caribou, uh, the rainforest and the BC government, and we can throw wolves in there too because they're relevant. So Southern Mountain Caribou are this unique group or population of caribou. Uh, formerly, they lived a little bit in the United States, uh, but that herd that roamed over the border is now extinct. So now Southern Mountain Caribou only live in BC and a little bit in Alberta. Um, and that's they're found nowhere else on the planet. So they're very important and very special to British Columbia. Um, and they are at risk of extinction. Uh, they're threatened. They're threatened because of decades and decades of industrial activity in their habitat. Um, obviously when industry, you know, oil and gas, logging, mining, when you go in to log an area and clear it for mining or just, you know, to use the timber, um, that creates a bunch of roadways, um, which encourages new early seral forest is what it's called. So like lush, new, like young growth of trees, which is what moose and deer love to eat. So when you destroy old, older forests that are, that is caribou habitat, you get all this new growth, you get more moose, you get more deer. And then what do you think follows moose and deer? <gasps> They're Whoa. predators. They're predators, exactly. So then you get all the predators coming in, and um, unfortunately, when the predators have options uh, between those moose and deer and caribou, they're going to go for caribou that are much less adapted to 
living with with different predators uh, year round. So they're kind of an easy target once predators gain access to their habitat. Um, so for that reason, predation rate has increased and um, that's one of the reasons driving extinction of the species, but also just the loss of old growth forests, uh, which is their habitat, which is their like their food source as well. They rely on trees over about 150 years old because this certain type of lichen grows from old growth trees. So when you take away those old growth trees, you take away their food resources. So all of these combinations of things are leading to caribou declining um, across the province, Southern Mountain Caribou. And so that is a summary of the situation. <laughs> Very well done. Thank you. I struggle with that every time I have to explain this to someone because I end up just getting so annoyed um, <laughs> at myself for like what's happening as I explain it. I'm like, okay, so you see the, the, the idiots... They said, let's just drive roads through these things. And then the caribou were like, hey, why are there roads here? There's wolves now. And then the government's like, we better get rid of the wolves. That's what my version of it sounds like. So thank you. Oh. No, well, that's the real. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is a very serious. We laugh because it's a coping method. But, um, exactly. and also it's Friday. Uh, and it's been a long, long week for everybody. Mm. Um so what's happening right now? Because there is news. This this has in in September the government came out and said we're going to protect this this massive amount of old growth. Uh, I think it was three hundred and fifty three thousand hectares that I just read of forest, but that's not enough. Yeah. And they're actually auctioning. Are they, is it right now? They're auctioning off the land that they want to clear cut effectively. Yes. The BC government is, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, the BC government's logging company, <laughs> mm. which exists, which is crazy. Um, and the on-the-ground investigation from Wilderness Committee, yourself uh, and your team, Wildsite and Echo Conservation Society, um, you found, like, this, this is very literally exactly what needs to be protected if they want to protect caribou. Yes, yeah. I, I, it seems like there should be a rule or, or some dude in a black and white shirt saying, hey, whistle on the play. You said you weren't going to do this. Should I go into the story of the Argonaut Creek? Yes, I would love to hear that story from you because I've I saw I've read about it and I've seen the pictures, but I've not we have not spoken since that came out. So I'd love to hear yeah. it from you. OK, so we catch word that um, BC government is about to auction off old growth habitat uh, for, for this herd of caribou. They're called the North Columbia caribou herd. And they're a very, not very strong, but they're decently strong, 150 members. So when you hear that, it means that this is a herd that actually has a really good shot at survival if we do the necessary measures, you know, to protect them, like protect their habitat. So anyways, we get, yeah, we figure out that they're planning on auctioning off this habitat um, to this herd. Over 300 soccer fields in size would be logged of their critical habitat. Also a place that we have collared data showing that they use this area. So it's not like, oh yeah, we think caribou might be here. It's like, no, like we have data showing that they use this valley um, and this mountain face. And so we go there. So it's an hour and a half north of Revelstoke. We go there and um, 
and yeah, and so we find this new logging road punching into honestly one of the most beautiful valleys I've ever been in. It's in a sea of cut blocks. So it's surrounded by so much industrial activity, but there's this sort of one mountain face that is on like none. It hasn't been logged. Um, and this is where they want to start. They want to start going in there and huge old trees, like meters wide, massive old growth trees, um, that they want to log. Okay. So that's insane, right? That's the first part. That's crazy. It's like, you want to log core federally mapped critical habitat for this herd in one of the last remaining mountain faces. Okay. That's insane. But then we realize that there's restoration happening to protect that same herd less than two kilometers away. So they're spending over $33,000 restoring previously destroyed habitat and then turning around walking not even two kilometers and logging their currently usable habitat. So not only are you destroying old growth forest, but in my opinion, you're wasting um, taxpayers' money going into that restoration because that's not going to have a payoff if you're destroying the habitat that they need to survive. Yeah, it's very clearly doing this undoes any good that you could do over there. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's like it just shows how either the government is not talking to like they're not talking to each other and they are just such a chaotic mess that they don't understand that this is happening within two kilometers or they know exactly what they're doing. And the second one, that option's probably worse. And that's probably what's actually happening is this was strategically done. And it's it kind of proves that it's not about saving caribou. It's about the um, the look of saving caribou, right? Yeah, and that's uh, two points to that. One, this came up after the throne speech, and it's completely unrelated. But I've been using this anecdote because I think it's very compelling especially as we're going into an election in British Columbia. Um, and it was Jagmeet Singh talking about the Liberals providing national daycare. And I'm not making a statement on national daycare, the NDP or the Liberals at the federal level. I just really enjoy this anecdote. Jagmeet mm -hmm. Singh said, we've been hearing the Liberals promise national daycare since 1996. Mm. A promise isn't enough anymore. And... Mm. I, I was I found that very compelling as someone who watches politics and stuff, because people who were voting in this next election have been hearing that there would be national daycare their entire lives. Literally, yeah. Um, yeah. they would have grown up being told this this story that, well, the government's going to do national day, daycare. And that to me, it speaks to sort of this situation of how do we possibly take them seriously now? It doesn't matter that there is space elsewhere if it is disrupted in some way. So if we had, for sake of an argument, a square of land and we divide it into, uh, what, 16 pieces. So there's some inside, there's some outside, there's some in corners, some not in corners, et cetera, and trying to visualize that. And mm -hmm. then start plucking some of those squares out of that larger square. It seems like they're trying to say, it's okay, there's still squares left. But ultimately, the problem is just even the roads they're putting in place to connect the squares mm -hmm. creates part like it's it's that yeah. simple. Mm -hmm. um, and we've already lost so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just the roads leading to the access invites the predators yeah. and creates a disruption to the natural habitat. Yeah, exactly. And 
like, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the old growth uh, review where mm-hmm. they announced the protection of a old growth forests or their new way forward or whatever. I mean, what we need is a ban on old growth logging, and that's not what they gave us. Um, and, you know, it, it did okay for some of the coastal forests, but the interior was sort of left uh, – left out in a like just not they're not getting enough protection of old growth forests and like like that um comparison with that those that squares is like we've already lost so much old growth forest we have less than three percent remaining of what was once here right and so when you think about it that way the answer should be no more old growth logging but the government doesn't use that number they don't like to say we only have three percent left of old growth they um, instead say, oh, we protect like a significant amount of old growth, but it's of the 3% that they've already logged. If that makes sense. No, it does. It does. It's, it's a weird, uh, (laughs) this is playing with numbers 101. Um, it's, oh, well we're saving 80% of 5%. Uh, I actually saw this. It's that kind of stuff comes up a lot in the media, um, where if you don't challenge them, which a lot of journalists don't these days, in my opinion, largely because they don't have time nor are they told to. Um, but if you don't challenge that, say, okay, well, what, like, what is this 5%? Like what you're saying, it's 80% of old growth. How much old growth is there? Yeah. Like actually asking the follow-up question is so vital mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are in an election. So I want to get to what people can do. And then I want to talk more about some of this because there is more conversation to be had, but I understand some people are going to hear this. They're going to get upset and they're going to want to do something. So let's okay. skip to the, what can people do right now? And then we'll get into a couple of more questions I have. Perfect. So right now the wilderness committee, um, wild site and echo conservation society are pushing hard on the auction of these cut blocks to be canceled. This it, we did find out about these cut blocks early enough that it's still in the beginning stages and they still can be canceled. Mm-hmm. So that's the good news is we have a good chance at stopping this. Um, but during an election like period right now, there's actually no ministers yep. <laughs> in, like working. Um, so what we're doing is. We're going to be sending a letter to BCTS, the timber sale, BC timber sales. Um, and we've sort of, uh, we've got quite a large group of different stakeholders that have signed on to this letter to put an end to this auction. Uh, but in the meantime, I mean, I would ask and I would suggest for people wanting to help to join Wilderness Committee as a, um, as an activist and you, we right now we have an action to send a letter to uh, certain targets that can cancel these cut blocks that are still working, so the ministers aren't involved. Um, and yeah, and you can offer your support uh, uh, to cancel the cut blocks and protect this habitat. Um, we've gotten, we've been have it. We had the action tool up probably for about two and a half weeks now. We've got like hundreds of people that are taking action. And, uh, I think that's really having, we know that it's going up to higher levels in government. So mm-hmm. I would ask that people jump on that and do the action tool. It's on our website. Absolutely. So if people want to go to wildernesscommittee.org or follow links on your social media, they should be able to find that wildernesscommittee.org. Uh, yeah. and there are links in the show notes and elsewhere, um, for folks who want to do that. And I will be doing it myself. I do want to talk a bit more about 
logging because this is, I think, as we've talked about in the past, this issue gets conflated. Uh, different interest groups try and get political points. They try and change the narrative. Um, and everyone kind of looks at it from their own perspective. So one of the things I think is worth talking about is mm -hmm. solutions moving forward. For instance, I, uh, I carve wood. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do whittling and I do woodworking projects and I live in a house that was made with wood. So I think there's, you know, you. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is an obvious question of, well, don't we still need wood? Mm. Um, and, 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 and these are base level questions to some people. They may sound frustrating and ridiculous. I invite you to work in social media management temporarily and you'll understand why I'm asking these questions. Mm. Uh, so seriously, we still need industry. We still need wood. We still need to give people jobs. Um, what are the solutions? If we're going to say no more old growth, what's yeah. the solution to that? Yeah, well, the solution is we move to a second growth um, logging economy. So we're going to forests that were logged in the 90s, uh, the 80s, and we're logging second growth, places that have already been impacted by logging that probably already have a legacy of roads into that area. What we don't need to be doing is logging old growth. Um, and so, okay. So yes. So two points to what you're saying is we'd still do need, you know, wood timber as for, for different things in our lives for sure. Uh, and then the second thing you said was jobs. And this is something I've thought a lot about. I feel like industry and extractive resources have come to the point where it's actually not about the product that they give us anymore. It's about the jobs that they supply. So like we're logging not for the resources at this point, cause we just sell them overseas anyways. Uh, but we're logging for the jobs. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, there are multiple things that have impacted the forest industry more than caribou, uh, like automation, like outsourcing jobs and sending raw logs overseas, um, like closing down mills, um, in small communities because it saves those massive corporations more money to put them all out of mill further away. So there are so many solutions that require tackling the system of the logging industry and how corporations have become so powerful that they're allowed to just lay off people due to automation. Um, that in my, like, that is a huge reason why we're losing jobs in yeah. BC. Um, you know, and so we, we, we really need to reimagine how forest industries work for forest communities. I mean, so many of these communities are reliant on logging. Um, but as we know, you can't log in one area forever. So what ends up happening is, you know, they've, these huge logging companies have ate up all the forests. Um, they lay everyone off and then they walk away pockets full. They're not even responsible for restoring the roads or anything like that. Um, and that's like, that's not fair, right? Like, so anyways, long story short, transition to a second growth, uh, logging industry and make local, uh, like community run logging projects. So like community run forests, um, like logging industries, which do exist in certain towns. Well, I think ultimately at the end of the day, one of the, the hard points to get across in these conversations 
is there may not be a perfect solution tomorrow. But if we start asking the questions today, we're a whole lot closer. And right now, it very much feels like we're not asking questions. We're just doing the status quo because it's safe. You and I have talked about this in the past, and I've talked with others about it on this show. When you read some of the coverage of this issue over the years, the logging uh, companies, the resource companies, I should say, uh, mm -hmm. overall, they try and make it very personal and fearful for the people who live in these little communities. Yeah. Because they say, if the government does this, then we are going oh, yeah. to have to close down. We are going to have to take jobs away from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As I mean, as if they already haven't been doing that on their own anyways. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I, I think honestly, like so around the time that the partnership agreement for Caribou, this was an agreement that was uh, pretty historic for the central group led by West Moberly and Soto First Nations. By the time when they were negotiating that, logging companies in the area were like getting into local newspapers, um, saying that we will lay off 500 jobs. And this is when the details of the plan wasn't even announced yet. So it's like, how do you, how can you reconcile knowing exactly how many jobs you would have to lay off when you don't even know how your logging tenure would be impacted? Like, so it, um, in my opinion, it kind of worked for logging companies because if they can blame layoffs on caribou, I mean, that that gets them sort of like um gives them a free pass uh and like again we employ fewer and fewer people in the logging industry but we cut the most amount of trees than ever before so you know like it's it's looking at that it's tackling that like if we need yeah the forests to provide wood that we need not wood that we're just cutting because we can sell it like to, we can find a market essentially if we cut it, but wood that we need and process it locally here and use it locally here, we can add value to that wood, uh, doing all of those steps here in BC, which would make us employ more people and also not have to cut as many trees. So yeah, it's, 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 that's the thing, right? It's, it's reimagining an entire system and that's why it's so, um, difficult to get that going because it's like it, it means we have to change the foundation people yeah people avoid change like the plague um fairly sometimes but this is what we're hearing in alberta with oil and what we're hearing with uh various industries in the atlantic region in ontario we're looking at you know mining up north and logging up north um and even just the way we handle our transit in the GTA, because the way we handle transit in the GTA impacts the rest of the country in some ways. Um, you know, like when we had a bridge shut down uh, on uh, the QEW one time, because a, I, I can't remember if the person was under the influence or if it was something else, um, but drove over a, a bridge, the Skyway, hmm. with their lift hmm. up and crashed into it. And they had to shut down the highway for like two days. It cost the country millions wow. of dollars in law, in the, like in the economic impact yeah. of that. And that's from one bridge in Southern Ontario wow. being out. Like we know that we need to do better, mm -hmm. but not many people seem, and I'm going to say realistically brave yeah. enough to take the plunge on yeah. some of these things. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Um, and it's, it's sort of one of those things that's like, we could deal with it now and pay like 
this is my brother was talking about um just a friend that he knows that like had like some teeth issues and like delayed it for a really long time like he could have fixed it you know 10 years ago it still would have costed Mm -hmm. quite a bit but he pushed it off pushed it off and now it's costing like twenty thousand dollars because it gets to that point that's sort of like the similar thing that's happening here is like we could take this sacrifice now it is going to be tough it's going to be a transition we're going to have to learn, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to have to, you know, push forward. But the outcome in the long term is going to be so much better than keep like to keep pushing this down the road where there's going to come a point where we've now logged every single old growth tree. There's nowhere left to log and those people are going to get laid off anyways, but to a greater extent and a way harsher impact on the economy as well. Fortunately, a couple people are going to get super duper rich, and that's what hey, it's all yeah. That's what it's all about is just funneling wealth to just like one or two people. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, now with it. it exactly, that's the dragon's code. Yep. Um, in terms of these conversations, do you have recommendations for people? Because again, it's a very, it's a deeply complex subject. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, it's very surface. Right. Like I think in in the primary case of our conversation today, it's a pretty clear don't do this. Mm -hmm. You said you weren't going to do it. We know what the consequences of doing it are. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. But as a broader issue, as we've been saying, there's a lot involved. Um, There's a lot of complexity involves a lot of different people. It involves a lot of different land. Mm And very often these conversations end up getting filed down to left or right or urban or rural talking points. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have advice for folks who are trying to advocate for this in that regard? We as taxpayers have, should have some responsibility of what our logging company allows. Um, and so I think this is one of those times where like, this is, yeah, this is something that we should be able to have an influence on. Um, and I think also I would add that government is less and less able to get away with saying with making ridiculous claims or somewhat false claims, people are becoming so much more aware. We have so many more resources at our hands to call them out. When we see that, when we see those like, um, misleading sentences, like for instance, uh, there's a global news piece done on the Argonaut Creek. And one of the, uh, staff at, in the ministry of forests for BC replied to the global news and it was in the piece. And he said, uh, you know, the area where they're logging, the portion of the cup blocks is actually super insignificant compared to the total area, right? Well, you look, at the, yeah. you look at the overall area of Argonaut Creek and it's already been logged. Like it is absolutely this patchwork of cup blocks already. And the Argonaut Creek cup blocks are this tiny, like tiny valley face in this sea of industry that's left. And so to hear like such a misleading quote like that from someone who works in government, it just can't stand anymore. And I also think that it's, they're getting less and less able to get away with saying that stuff without going, without being, um, you know, receiving pushback or being challenged on it. Right now, I think it's also very interesting as we talk about these significant changes, and we're talking about, again, very specifically wildlife, the environment, and an industry, and how hard it can be. And it fairly can be hard. But I think right now with COVID, we're also learning that we as a society are capable of adapting. Yeah. 
And we need to be looking at how have we adapted to this and can we adapt to other things? Can we adapt to you? All right. What we were doing won't work. We need a new solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it showed um, us that it's entirely possible. It's like the world changed in a day and it was bumpy and like, I mean, certainly awful for many people. Um, but yeah, I think we're really resilient and we'll find new systems. We'll find, we'll find more innovative solutions that work for, um, the whole rather than just a few. I truly believe we're capable of that. So we just have to have conversations where the government's willing to own what they're actually doing as opposed to, again, either intentionally hiding it or being inept to the degree that they haven't noticed. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's be, yeah, I, I mean, it just becomes more and more clear how much power industry has over certain governments. Um, because at the end of the day, it's just, some of these things are becoming so blatantly clear that it's like, well, what, give me one good reason why you have for, for logging this old growth forest. And I mean, the answer is just so clear now. It's, it's like, it's, it's industry expects this industry needs this old growth forest. They make more money on it. So it's becoming more and more transparent, um, when governments do make these decisions that are entirely uh, industry driven. To take action regarding the Argonaut drainage cut blocks, the culling of wolves, and the rest of BC's ongoing quasi-efforts to protect endangered caribou, visit wildernesscommittee.org. You can also learn more about their conservation efforts across their social media platforms. I want to thank Charlotte for joining us today and her colleagues at Wilderness Committee, Echo Conservation Society, and WildSight for their hard work on the ground and behind the scenes. More episodes of Defender Radio are coming soon, and I would love to hear from you. Connect with me on Facebook and Twitter at Defender Radio and on Instagram at Howie Michael to find out about upcoming episodes, contests, and photos of JJ the Hamilton Hound. Until next time, I'm Michael Howie for Defender Radio and the Fur Bears, reminding you to be kind and to stay informed and stay strong. Defender Radio.